2: The most important KPI is how long people are in contact with the brand. The very first success isn't to sell a car in the first moment. In 30 minutes, in contact with the brand is a great success for us.
0: Gen-C is the generation of the new internet. In Gen-C, the C stands for crypto, but it also stands for creators the connected consumer and collectibles, both digital and physical with on-chain provenance. It stands for culture and characters, the ones we play in games and the companion ones that AI is building alongside us. It stands for community and digital citizenship and the new set of transparent and trustless tools being built to govern them. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they look at the hybrid, digital, and physical spaces being built all around us. And finally, how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how brands, large and small, are building for these audiences. Welcome to Gen C.
1: Hello, Sam.
0: Hello, Avery. So lovely to see you. Gen C, episode 60-something. I feel like I always want to know the episode number, even though it's meaningless, but it matters to me
1: episode in the 60s, and we are so excited to be back here today with our wonderful community and a very special guest.
0: Absolutely. We'll get to the guest in a second. Avery, I don't know if you know this, but brands really love loyalty programs and was seeing this week that Kith, the high-end streetwear brand, had just launched their loyalty program which I was like super interested in. One of the things I thought was really fascinating about it, I actually don't know if it's on chain. I went and like, I read a deep thread about it that Ronnie from Kith wrote. But what I really loved was that they were saying your points are going to be retroactive to all of your purchase, which I was like, this is the way you launch a loyalty program. We know your customer history anyway. Let's reward you for having been with us on the journey. Did you happen to see that Kith got into the loyalty business?
1: I did see that. And just like anything that Ronnie does, so well executed. Just executional excellence throughout, always. Most people know Kith for the cool stuff that they do, their incredible collabs. But I think it's really the thoughtful shopping experience that's always attracted me to the brand. And this is just another example of that. And I love that they're launching this sort of now in an era where people are bashing loyalty programs a lot. But brands know that they're yes. more important than ever.
0: Uh, agreed. And and I actually want to ask you, why are people bashing loyalty programs in your mind?
1: Bashing is probably a bit of a strong word. Um, people are questioning loyalty programs and what they really get out of them. I think brands have often thought of this as sort of like an e-commerce play. But, you know, even in the Web3 space, like I see such strong narratives. So like loyalty is broken. Loyalty is broken. Like this does not actually engage customers in the way they want to be engaged. So... I think it's a little bit of of that. And it's cool that a luxury brand like Kith is kind of getting into this space. And because it's not typically a place where like luxury brands really play, it's more like mid-market, you know, many uh, sort of mass brands have done a really nice job with their loyalty programs, whether it's Starbucks and of course their star system or, you know, Duncan kind of replicated that with their own little spin or Ulta. Um, Ulta has a really, really strong loyalty program. So we've seen this for mass and not as much for luxury. Never have um, I gotten that at Chanel.
0: You know, it's funny though. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I, in my very early 20s, I worked at the Couture Armani Boutique. And it was a, a job I did to get through you know, uh, some school and to have some, some money in my pocket. But it was actually fascinating to have a front line at a really hot luxury retailer at a time when they were super hot. Like Armani was the brand uh, when I was there. Yes, I'm dating myself for how old I am. But what was really interesting is we had a set of customers that would come in every season and that, and they would spend $50,000 every season and we knew them. And like our loyalty program was the amount that they would go wind and dine, that we would close the store early for them and let them private shop, that we would like hold things that, you know, before they, would, they were released, they got invited to the fashion shows. Like We were doing a, like a basic loyalty program, if you will, just for our most valuable clients. So I think luxury actually does this, but they just don't make it official. They kind of keep it behind the scenes.
1: Right. It's more of a perk than like a point system. right?
0: But I I guess you wonder when you think of the size of the LVMH empire, that one could start to chart that across a lot of different brands and say, maybe there is something about if we can increase the lifetime value of our customer by 3%, by 5%, when you're talking about the price points that they're playing in, that that might actually be a big deal.
1: Oh, absolutely. Birthday gifts, handwritten cards, those types of touches. But it's not like spend $5,000 and you get X.
0: Right. Exactly. Points is maybe the wrong way to say it. Um, One of the things I did like about what Kiff is doing is they are also not only rewarding you for shopping, but for coming to their events, for being involved in some of their content experiences. So they are, I think, looking at it in in quite a modern way, which is this not we're just going to extract, we're going to make you feel good about the fact that you spend money with us, um, which I think is also part of the evolution of loyalty. Which is like the opposite of what Delta did, you know, where they right. kind of made it just harder and harder. You have to spend more and more money to be a participant in their system, which, you know, I'm still salty.
1: Someone salty about their sky miles changes.
0: I had to take a flight last minute to, to, keep, to keep my status. So I get it. Um, all right. Next story I want to talk to you about. And I, we, we, we touched on this, I think, about a month ago when we were talking about an election in Slovenia. But actually, deep faking of the election has hit home. There was uh, something that happened around the New Hampshire primaries that just went down where there was a whole robocall campaign that was basically supposedly Joe Biden telling voters that they didn't need to go out and vote for Trump, Nikki Haley, or Ron DeSantis at the time. And some people think that it was actually done so that people would then think that the, the Biden campaign was being underhanded, when the fact is the entire thing was just like a deep fake robocall experience that's still not sure who... Put it on some even accused the trump uh, campaign of doing this and this is to me like the real danger that we run into when it comes to how ai is getting involved in media creation which is there's one no penalties for any of this stuff yet like they have not released anything at a governmental level Around deepfake porn, about revenge porn with deep fakes, about celebrities, or about politicians. But you can really use this in a way to, that can very much damage a competitor or a competitive brand, anything like that. What do you think are the steps that we are gonna have to take in order to sort of prevent this like deep faking of, of truth?
1: I think this is gonna be a real topic over the next several months with the election. And this is just starting to bubble up, but I would anticipate we're gonna be discussing this a lot more on Gen Z. Um, as deep fakes have gotten so good. And that's just a robocall situation, right? Like the videos are also so compelling. It's very hard to say, even with someone who's familiar with AI, like what's real and what's not. So I don't have a hot take on this one. This is actually when I'm a little bit more, you're usually the nervous one. I'm actually pretty nervous of this.
0: Well, I also wonder, you know, I, I think about this through, if I was a competitive brand, how could I actually damage my competitor by releasing things into the world? fake commercials, fake outdoor ads, all of this stuff that might sort of come across someone as being disingenuous and actually might hurt brand reputation. And now do you have to have an entirely new set of security teams at your brand in order to just manage what the potential, the exponential potential of deepfaking can be? It feels like a new service for Vayner.
1: Potentially. I think it's a very technical service and also one that's wrought with a lot of both ethical implications, legal implications, and technical implications.
0: Absolutely. All right, Avery, my final question for you, final story is, you know, I know you're probably a big Squirtle or Pikachu fan in the Pokemon world, but (laughs) the last week, the game the game industry has been sort of very, very spicy on the fact that there's this new game that came out called Palworld where they basically took all of these Pokemon characters and just like armed them with like high-tech guns. And it's basically a first-person shooter type game that uses, in some respects, all the Pokemon IP, and it's one of the fastest growing games on Steam. And so, it does, again, it's sort of that same conversation of, like, here is a beloved IP that's very, like, you know, friendly. The mo- Pokemon, I believe, is the most successful IP franchise in history. And you have someone who basically can create now an entire game based on so, like Your characters look like your Pokemon characters, but now we're going to, like, make them into drug addicts or criminals. Where does it stop, right? Because game, game players loved it and they spent millions and millions of dollars on this. But any take on kind of the gaming industry and like, is there a, any way to protect your IP there?
1: I'm pondering this one because I don't think there's a, an easy way to always be able to protect your IP, right? Like there's some element of like fan fiction, fan art that always happens. We even saw this in like the NFT space where like people will always try to monetize and like riff off of something that already exists. Um, But that's what lawyers are for, right, Sam?
0: Yeah, I, I think about I don't remember the name of the service. It used to be a great service that was using computer vision that would an- analyze Instagram feeds and it would give you a report of any time your brand showed up. And the idea was, oh, we get to see all of these creators and influencers who use our brand. But what was also interesting is if like you were Starbucks, you also saw when like the guy was drunk, passed out with a Starbucks cup or like the person like who was wearing Nikes and committing crime. It, it showed you all these ways that brands can't control how their, their logo marks are used in the real world. And uh, I, I do think it's really interesting to see both with elections or the game world where this is going to be. Um, all right, Avery, let's get to our guest. Our guest today is Pia Schorner. Pia is the head of digital experience, content, gaming, and the BMW metaverse at BMW. She has a long career at BMW, really pushing innovation, um, and is sort of notable for how much they've gone into game worlds, NFTs, Um, and obviously like where they're bringing their brand into the future. So after the break, we will get to Pia. Consensus 2024, global crypto regulation, the disruptive power of AI, the rise of tokenization. Consensus is the one event where experts convene to talk about the ideas shaping our digital future. Join developers, investors, founders, brands, policymakers, and plenty more in Austin, Texas from May 29th through the 31st. The 10th annual Consensus is curated by Coindesk to feature the industry's most sought-after speakers and provide unparalleled networking opportunities and unforgettable experiences. Take 15% off registration with the code GENC50. Register now at consensus.coindesk.com, and I'll see you there. We are here with Pia Schorner. She's head of digital experiential content, gaming, and the BMW Gaming Metaverse at BMW Group. Pia, you have had an amazing career. You've been at BMW almost 17 years. You've been across lifestyle, events, esports, and now you're sort of heading up this experiential gaming and metaverse division. It feels like you probably understand better than most the idea of how to use mass behavior trends to sort of situate a brand in the minds of the consumer. All this work and innovation, can you talk about what your key insights are as a brand looking to engage on these new platforms with their audience?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. And first of all, thanks for having me today. It's great to be with you here. As a brand, and we are like a traditional automotive brand, I would say, it's always important to be open for innovative things, to see um, what's going on in the world outside. Uh, what about um, new and younger target groups and um, maybe special target groups, which are not our relevant um usual target group let's call it like this and I was leading a long time the motorsports marketing and um, I invented sim racing which kind of simulated racing um, in the web and um, this was a great success to have something beside the traditional motorsports activation we have and um, we learned out of that that all these virtual and digital activities are quite important especially for a brand like BMW was the reason why we decided to go into esports and partner those esports teams to to really get a better understanding what is going on outside there and what are the new media, the new digital target group we need to talk to. And you know, Metaverse is born in gaming. So this was like the step to get into that metaverse topic. And this is still something which is very important right now um, for every brand. Yeah, I would say it's really kind of a passion point from myself to to be on these innovative new topics, to really tackle new audiences and see how you can push a brand like BMW forward. Wow,
1: Pia, that's really impressive. You invented that, which is amazing. And (laughs) you obviously have a storied career at BMW and you've probably seen multiple forms of innovation leading to your current role leading digital experiential. I'm curious what you think about Web3. When you think about Web3 at BMW, is it just about blockchain or are you thinking about immersive experiences, about AI, about other emerging technologies? How do you think about these things either being part of the same umbrella or coexisting?
2: You know, this is like an evolution of the internet. We started in Web1. Now we are mainly in Web2. And I call the Web2 the internet of people. So you do whatsapp social media and stuff like that you can do video calls we can do what we do right now talking to each other and um sending messages and then there's uh, the next step it's the web 3 which i call the embodied internet because you will have the chance and you already have to be as an avatar in a 3d virtual room so this is what makes it if we are talking about web 3 and when we are putting AI as well into it, it's more in the direction of web four, because it's the next step of the evolution of the internet. And to sum it up, you know, for me, the metaverse is the new internet. This is something very natural, which in terms of technology will be developed and pushed forward within the next years. So for me, It's all in one. If we're talking about blockchain, if we are talking about metaverse, if we are talking about gaming, AI, it's the new internet. It's the new internet technology and everybody will get used to it within the next years because this is the future of um, digital and of getting connected to each other.
0: Pia, just to double click on that a little bit. So you actually are looking at the idea of connected AI agents, non-playable characters that have histories with you. All of the sort of ways that AI will inform us even beyond as a Web3, but you're saying that's going to be the next form of the internet as you move forward. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more on that. And then I think also if you could frame for us why brands such as BMW or others should be so excited to look at this gaming and metaverse world as a experiential opportunity.
2: When we are talking about younger target groups, the so-called Gen Z, Gen Alpha, maybe a bit also Gen Y, I would say that virtual worlds as well as the metaverse and especially gaming metaverses are kind of their natural environment. So if you want to get in contact with them, it's like crucial to be part of that. So this is why I pretty believe that brands, not only automotive brands or BMW, every brand should be get used to it because you should understand right now how that works to really to be part of their world of their passion of where they uh, having their free time, and you know, I see it um, with my family. I have two boys, and they meet in their virtual worlds. They also go outside for sure, <laughs> <laughs> but for them, it's like I'm meeting my friends. So where do you go? Yeah, you know, we're meeting on the computer, and they are talking a lot. And they have not only their friends in their direct neighborhood; they also have friends all over the world. They are learning, speaking a perfect English by just connecting to everybody in the world who's playing that kind of computer game. And this is something uh, which we need to consider because if we want to get in contact with them and if we want to tell them that we are having maybe great products for them or that we are maybe a great brand that we can maybe enable their personal life, we need to be there where they are. So this is why I see that as an opportunity for brands in terms of communication and experiential marketing as well. So it's the next generation of drivers. We see these drivers are already sort
1: of driving in virtual worlds well before they get their license. And, you know, your brand is thinking about how you can start to build those relationships with them um, early on, because this is where kids these days communicate, where they have build friendships, where they learn, where they spend a lot of their time. And one of those places where we see a lot of, you know, not just Gen Alpha and Gen Z, but also millennials spending a ton of time is Fortnite. And of course, you all have a wonderful game world there with Hypnopolis, um, which is super impressive, nothing short of expansive. You can customize your own car, you can race, you can run, you can drive on these aerial highways. You can even eat pretzels, which is a nice little nod to the German heritage. Um, can you tell us the strategy behind sort of building in Fortnite and what that experience has been like?
2: A lot of people ask me, why did you choose Fortnite? Because, you know, it's a name shooter. And is this the right place for a brand like BMW to be? And I say, yes, because the shooter segment is one of the biggest in the gaming. Metaverse is born in gaming. Fortnite is one of the biggest Metaverse um, platforms we have beside Roblox and Minecraft. And we decided to go with Fortnite because of the target group, which is an average between 16 and 35 years old. So not too young because, you know, we need people who might drive a car in the near future or maybe can afford a car. A lot of users, daily, monthly, in average. So this is why we have chosen Fortnite. And, you know, our goal is to, to have a long-term persistence metaverse in the future. Because I told you before, this is the future. So we get we have to get used to it. And we decided that we first need to meet the passion point of younger target groups. To tell them that we are here, that we want to work with them. And it needs to be authentic and then maybe pull them into our own metaverse in future. And that's why we decided to to go with um, uh, a gaming metaverse, and we decided to go with Fortnite. And um, we learned a lot um, out of the time as we did these esports corporations um, really um, talking on eye level to, to understand their lingo, to understand their needs to be an enabler in that game. And we created mini games and a smart kind of bringing a car into it because it needs to be entertaining. You need to understand how you can deliver something which could be of interest for that target group. It's not about product placement. It's not about logo placement. It's about really understanding the gaming mechanic. And that's what we did. So we put in their Easter eggs. We put in there fancy things so you can configure the car by putting on like burger rims or stuff like that to really have fun for the gamers and the decision behind was really to get attracted by these younger target groups and it worked out and now the idea is to do more in that um, area because uh, it's not only once in a lifetime, it needs to be more we need to push this ecosystem for us so together with Epic Games And uh, the idea behind is that in some years, hopefully, the interoperability of those systems will work, that we can maybe offer virtual cars in the BMW Metaverse. You can have one of these, take it and put it into maybe an uh, epic ecosystem, do racing wherever you want. So this is our idea behind. This is our first step to go in that Fortnite space more to follow. And in the near future, maybe to have these connection between an old metaverse of BMW and those gaming ecosystems.
0: I do think that one of the things that I noticed in research of Hypnopolis was just how much intention you guys put into the design of the gameplay, that you really put a lot of game craft into it. I think there's a lot of brands that come in and they're just like, I'm going to put my logo and have people collect points and maybe get a digital wearable. You guys went full world. What justifies the expense? And how do you think success happens in these worlds where it may not be as simple as, did my ad get clicked on?
2: You know, the most important KPI is how long people are in contact with the brand. Because the very first success isn't to sell a car in the first moment. It's more about brand awareness. And if we see that people spend An amount of minutes with a brand this is a success and our average time people spend in hypnopolis and the car creator is about 30 minutes and 30 minutes in contact with the brand is a great success for us to be honest so um, this is something which is more important to us than the amount of people going into hypnopolis is more about how long do they stay and do they come back And um, if they stay like 30 minutes on average and come back and play it again and again, this is what we call success. And um, furthermore, I would say it's great to have good feedback from the community. So we do some kind of um, sentiment analysis to see if they accept a brand like BMW in that space. And they do. But we did our homework and now it's like, three months ago that we launched Novelist, and I tell you, you need to be on it because um, the point is you need to bring in news pretty soon because this is how the gaming world um, works. So bring every time something new into it to, to keep the gamers playing, gaming, however you want to call it, because if they play this island, they do it maybe several times But then there's the point where they say, okay, now I got it, next. I love how you're sort of speaking
1: through, testing your way into this in a way that's really mindful of the consumer and, you know, wondering and aligning on ensuring the brand is showing up in the way consumers want to play with BMW, to learn with BMW. Can you talk a little bit about how you phase out that approach, Pia? Because you just shared a bit about how you're understanding if that's how consumers want to engage. It seems like this is a multi-step approach for you all.
2: You know, very important is that you really understand what the consumers, in this case, um, the gamers, expect from you. And it's not about just bringing a brand into, because we are talking about target groups, which are not very interested in brand. It's more about enablement, to be part of something, to be bringing own ideas into what we are doing and um, this is why we did that first step in gaming some years ago and we learned from those esports team we learned what you can do and what better not for me this was a very important step to to really understand how to be a authentic part of this environment how to be natural not feeling like just put into and now take it and it's more about an interaction and we are thinking about to go further maybe like asking the community what they want to have next from BMW to really understand what they want from us and furthermore my personal recommendation is it's okay if you try and maybe fail in the first time because if it it fails it's okay then learn fast and do it better next time. So, this is the way we are doing it in our strategy. We're doing a lot of in advance thinking what could be the right way. We are talking to the right people and um, we are showing our concepts to the younger target groups. So my sons are my best consultants, I tell you. It's not my boss. It's the kids you have to ask to. And and if they tell, um, that could be the right way. Or maybe thinking about do it better like this, then you have to listen. And then you have to try to implement it like they say it has to to be, because then it works.
0: I love that. Creative consultants. And just to go deeper, Pia, I mean, I think Avery and I spoke last week about the fact that a lot of these strategies of how certain brands are coming into gaming spaces is about monetizing the players especially as we are starting to see the rise of direct commerce inside of game engine uh, worlds and i just get worried about especially younger audiences being kind of sold in in every space possible and I, i went down a rabbit hole this weekend of seeing how like nine and 10 year olds are using drunk elephant Mm -hmm. cosmetics on their faces where like they should not be at at where their skin is, but they're being so influenced by TikTok around that. So I do get very worried about the over monetization of younger and younger audiences, where I think there's a a lovely sort of intersection though is the aspirational brands, you know, kids see BMWs, maybe their parents drive one, maybe they would like to in in, in the future, whether it's a motorcycle or a car. Mm -hmm. The idea that you can sort of aspirationally play, but you know, it's not an immediate purchase, feels better to me in certain ways and i just don't know if that's me being hypocrite but i do think there is something special about not having to worry about this being a sales channel directly versus some other folks who are looking at these as more direct response in some respects uh, which i think can can get dangerous when we start especially looking at the idea of monetizing children to sort of move us forward not only are you guys in fortnite you mentioned minecraft you, you mentioned roblox you guys have also done mixed reality you know you're a partner with the board Ape yacht club at their big hong kong event you guys are looking at ai and vehicle it's, it just seems like again you guys take a lot of big bold swings and a lot of it sounds to be this trial and error strategy and yeah and i guess h- how easy is that to sell up you know when, when you're trying to get a sponsorship for the board Ape yacht club which is you know a very unique set of personalities who are holders and, and go to those events but also they have high net worths they probably want cars, so I understand the overlay there. How hard is, it, is that, or how easy is that to sell to your higher-ups?
2: You have really to show that, how you call it, with the uh, board yard clans high net worth individuals, people who can really easily buy in BMW. But uh, thinking about the way, how they might buy BMW, they won't go to the, I call it uh, the dealership at the Frankfurter Ring in Munich, because it's not their kind of buying a car. So you need to consider new ways of selling products. But anyway, um, we did small steps and we did a lot of different steps. As you mentioned before, we did that mixed reality case, we did dim racing, we did esports, we did Fortnite, we had Dertopia. and these were all little steps to see how it works. And every time we learned out of it, and every time we could go a step, a step further, especially the board uh, Ape's up was a special move, to be honest, because The NFT business is not always the best discussed business. So there are a lot of ups and downs. And if you're coming with a topic like this, it could be like, okay, seriously, this is the way we have to go. But anyway, we did a really small activation in Hong Kong. We just brought a car in there and invite the community to do some kind of inter- interaction to bring their personal ape onto the car it was like a big projection mapping it was not more not less and the community just celebrated that because they like the idea that BMW understand that this is a very interesting community and that it is worth it to talk to them it was not about now it's a big partnership, a yoga labs or board Ape and BMW. It's more about being part of that community and bring something in there what could be of their interest. And it worked. And it's pretty much the same with everything else we did. And I think for us, for the future, it's pretty important to bring all those ideas now into the product because in the end, we're selling cars or we are selling shared services or we are selling stuff like we need around the car. So now we are thinking about how can we mix this? And then we have that uh, idea of the mixed reality, which is the great case invented by a great colleague of mine. But I was always pushing that topic forward because I see the big potential when you can really drive a car wearing a VR glasses and you don't see the real world outside, you see a gaming world outside, you can drive that gaming world. And I did that case. And you're feeling good. You're not scared of stuff like that. You're just driving this gaming world in an M2 or M5, a real performance car, and it's... So cool that there's so much potential in there, how we can better combine virtual things with the car. So we can also bring the Metaverse in the car. We can bring gaming in the car. We already did with the Air Console case at the CES with the i 5 And to be honest, more to come. So I think in the end, if there is a really revenue stream opportunity by bringing all these experience into the car and make the car much more appealing, especially for younger target groups, you get the confirmation of the board and in the end, you do it the right way because um, you you created brand awareness and finally you have it in the car in your own product, which is important for yeah, the success of those
1: activations. Completely agree. And You just brought up CES and we're about two weeks off of CES. I heard BMW share a little bit about AR and AI inside of the vehicle more in-car gaming and streaming options. And in general, it felt like digital twins are not only necessarily about sort of bringing the physical into the game, but also vice versa. What's your kind of current thinking on the digital twin, Pia, and, and where that's going?
2: You know. There are different different kinds of um, definition of a digital twin. Um, for me, in the future, when you order a car, you will directly get a digital twin of your personal car. And it's more like a proof of ownership certificate, I would say. So that means you see when you have signed the contract, you see or can um, follow the the building process of the car Um, you will get the information when the car will be delivered and afterwards you can see when you uh, did maintenance on the car or if you did any kind of tuning on the car so it's really more like a moving certificate everything is in there and if you anytime sell the car you can pass over this virtual certificate like a digital twin to the next owner and this person can totally see what happened when, which is great. And furthermore, you can have a digital twin, which is also your car, but it's more to to use it in other spaces, like maybe in gaming. So in my ideal world, I got a digital twin. Um, I would get a digital twin in the future. And if I'm interested in, I can do some kind of pimp my car and buy some fancy things for that car, special rims, and then take it and put it into my favorite game and show the people this is what I have. One in the real world and that one specially pimp for that game and the virtual world. Finally, there might be a kind of, NFT for the wallet as well, which is just a picture. But I think this in-between thing, having the digital twin and use it in other spaces, this is what could be of high interest in, in the future when the the technical thing of interoperability um, will be yeah, implemented.
0: So in the future, our apartments will have a digital twin, we'll have a garage, our cars will live in there, and when we sell our house or sell our car, we then give up ownership of our twin, which I think is sort of where we should be in the first place. Anyway, Uh, I'm still waiting for all of my Nike sneakers to come with an in-game playable shoe, but we're getting closer with the swoosh. You mentioned NFT in the wallet, Pia. So I guess we have seen, frankly, a a notable number of car brands play in the NFT space, as well as a ton of other luxury, right? The LVMHs of the world are jumping in. Margiela had a, a big initiative last year. How do you feel these days about sort of blockchain as a technology? I think that it felt a little bit just from, you know, putting my my Coindesk hat on, you know, that brands pulled back last year as the market got bearish and as some of the sort of bad actors were brought to light. And a lot of brands said, hey, we don't want to be involved in this. Meanwhile, you had Nike and Starbucks and Puma and Mercedes and all these other folks who also were building and you guys were, were one of those who I think would continue to build so I look at it as not only is this a digital collectible and ownership opportunity, it's also a first party data opportunity in a world where cookies are getting more and more challenging to, to use. And do you see, and, and maybe also with AI, like do you see blockchain technology as being kind of a foundational technology of the Web3 and maybe, maybe even Web4, as you stated earlier?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it would be like a natural technology we need. And as I told you before, it needs to be more interoperable in the future. This is like crucial and very important um, to keep this topic going. And then in terms of these NFT space, um, there are a lot of brands who did it right. And I think especially the lifestyle brands are the perfect examples, how it could could it really work? We still will have this topic of NFT and collectibles and also digital items, virtual goods, we think. Because I think in the future, Metaverse, where you can be whatever you want to be and you need some special items to show yourself, this will be still an important opportunity to express yourself, to be honest. But I think we won't talk about that Gambling thing anymore because you know it's a, it's a kind of a trade what is happening over there and sometimes it's getting too too high if you buy or sell a special kind of NFTs and this was like that big breakdown that a lot of people spend a lot of money in especially NFTs and afterwards they ask themselves what to do with that and um, it was more about building a community so who did it right the Board Ape's Yacht up because it's not about having a lot of Money in the wallet. It's more about be part of that idea of that community to interact with those people. And I think for all the brands um, as well as for BMW, this will be more something to to give the consumer of the future the opportunity to have things in their virtual world, which they maybe won't have in the real world. So we need blockchain technology. We need the idea of virtual goods, but they need to be affordable. So this is very important in my personal opinion. It needs to be enriched, your virtual life.
0: But just to to talk a little bit more on the technology versus the financialization. A public immutable ledger that can record the actions of machines and humans. Especially when we think of, you know, think of all the the conversation going around about IP being read by these crawlers that are powering LLMs, you know, and AI models. Thinking about the idea of yeah, the first party relationship, is that something that you guys are entertaining as a as an alternative to maybe a more traditional web two stack, or is it still test and learn in the way that you've done it with so many other technologies?
2: It's still test and learn, to be honest. <laughs> um and uh, a big space for testing and learning so as I told you before we're doing these little little steps but it's good to to do that kind of um and this is what I recommend to every brand give it a try uh, get used to it step into that and uh, build your own idea how it could work for your own brand and we are still on it we are still at the very beginning to be honest but um, yeah, we are getting experience and we're getting used to it. And I'm not sure what we will do within the next five years, but we will see what could be the best for the brand, to be honest. I love that. So when
1: you're seeing what will be best for the brand, if you look into your crystal ball, where do you think um, 2024 is going to take BMW? What you know, roads will you all be going down? What are the technology and innovations that you're excited about?
2: I am pretty sure that the topic of AI, um, artificial intelligence, and especially also VR, VR glasses, will be further developed in a very fast way. It's amazing what happened um, within the last one and two years. And I'm pretty sure there's more to come this year. This is something which is pretty important for us as BMW to really use the topic of ai in all our experiential things and communication or virtual um, experiences we do and uh, we need to think about how long can we use AI, and when do we have to use a real human person after maybe an avatar talking to a future customer Development never stops, and to be honest, it's a shame that I cannot live the next two hundred years. Because if I, I can do it, I uh, really wanted to do that because I'm I'm so excited what will happen within the next two hundred years. Because technology is growing so fast, so much is happening.
0: Well. You can't spell Pia without AI, so the the bot will be there. Your consciousness will be ever-present <laughs> for the next 200 years. Um, maybe your physical form will look a little bit different. Pia, thank you so much for spending so much time with us, giving us the insights of both your brain, what BMW is up to, and your perspective on the industry. So just thanks for uh, coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much. It was fun.
0: <laughs>
1: That was such a fun conversation. I feel like Pia has 17 years of experience doing this at BMW, but is still staying on such the pulse of what's new, what's next, with a really measured perspective. So I really enjoyed that conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, Pia's a great follow on LinkedIn for anyone who wants to jump in. She like, posts a lot about this kind of stuff. And they are just taking big swings, which I also really appreciate. Avery, what stood out for me on that conversation also was just like dropping a little bit of analytics they did on Fortnite. 30 minutes on average right when i spoke to keith from publicist he was saying 13 minutes i remember talking i think it was to uh Alo yoga and angelique and they said 14 minutes was their average so people are spending a lot of time with the brand which i think again just like you can't buy 30 minutes with a brand uh in traditional advertising means so i think that's something also that like those listeners need to take advantage of which is this idea of the long form interaction and especially if people can come back game worlds are great for this if you can figure out how to unlock great gameplay
1: the amount of time spent in these virtual worlds, whether it's Fortnite or Roblox or some of the others, is truly astounding because you get this like really deep immersive brain experience. And I love what Pia brought up though, as it needs to be something that is authentic and engaging to the community in order to get those kind of metrics and really leaning into like what Fortnite players want. Uh, I love the insight she had around her son giving her tips of how, you know, what would be cool, what would work in Fortnite and that sort of contextual fit, uh, being something that they've spent a lot of time studying and understanding in order to get those types of results.
0: Yeah. Also, I think a learning that is worth kind of our brand friends to take into account from this is when you go into that world, you can be not only sort of fun and have, bring some levity to your brand, right? The fact that you could eat German pretzels as a way to power up, but also the idea that in the metaverse, gravity doesn't need to take place. Right. So they so they can build an aerial highway, which just becomes a a unique new driving experience versus replicating existing driving experiences, which, frankly, a lot of the current game sort of formats utilize. Um, I do think there's something really fun about that. BMW can position themselves as innovative and aspirational, thinking about the future of car experience in 100 years. But they can do it in the metaverse today, which I think is like a nice positioning for them.
1: While appealing to the next generation of drivers, which is something that seems to be very core to their strategy, right? Like they know this is not where um, necessarily today's physical BMW drivers are, but it's where the next generation of drivers is sort of getting experiences with their favorite cars, their favorite, you know, racetracks, et cetera.
0: And then also just let's not forget that comment at the end of just, she is so interested in innovation and technology that she wants to live for 200 years to see where it's going to go, which I, which I think is like, not everyone has that point of view either. So I think that was great.
1: And who knows, maybe with uh, today's technology advancements, we'll see much extended <laughs> lifespans. I don't know, about 200 years. But that was an amazing comment to catch.
0: Absolutely. All right, Avery, have a wonderful day. Gen C. thank you as always for listening. We look forward to hearing your comments, your suggestions, and we'll see you on the next show.
1: See you guys in the next one. Bye, Gen C. Mm-hmm.